Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. I bet those of you who went to sleep early didn't see this coming. The Cleveland Guardians 12, the Chicago White Sox 9. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And the reason I say that at the beginning of the show, the reason that's kind of the mantra of this show, is you can give me expected weighted on base percentages and zips projections and all sorts of whatever you want to talk about when it comes to the prognosticators, the people that think they know what's going to happen. Nobody thought what was going to happen last night was going to happen. I'm sure there's plenty of you that went to bed early. I almost gave up on the game because the the uh, Bally Sports app kept crashing in like the 8th and ninth inning. Like every two batters, it would freeze. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm done with this thing. And then I pull up the MLB app and see we got a runner on base. I'm like, all right, I got to get this thing back on the TV. I got to see what's going on here. So luckily, I have a baby that I have to feed at midnight. So I had a reason to be awake still. Uh, I had a friend in Chicago at the game. And he left when they were down six runs. He, he gave me the face to the palm emoji this morning. He's like, no, man, I gave up when they were down six. I, I listened to it on the way home. So yeah. So, man, baseball, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, Fermil Reyes apparently knew. He said he was very confident going into that ninth inning. He was he was walking around the dugout saying they were going to win that game. Uh, Police X said nobody in the clubhouse had given up, right? You know, obviously the starting pitcher goes and hits the showers after their start. And uh, they said everyone in the clubhouse was on the edge of their seat, even though they were down so much in that ninth inning. Uh, man, this team believes, this team believes that magic can happen. And Josh Naylor supplied that magic. Top storyline of the game, by far, MVP for the day, definitely goes to Josh Naylor. The guy is setting records, and we're going to get into all the details. We're going to go over where the pitches locations were. We're going to go over where he hits his home runs from, usually. Um, I love some of the stuff. Mandy Bell had a lot of the details in her article after the game. They were talking about it on the post-game show, too. Everybody kind of had this. Um, since the RBI became official in 1920, uh, Naylor was the only player to knock in at least eight runs from the eighth inning on in a single game, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. So, yeah, just insane stuff. Um, there was other, uh, other firsts or other things that haven't been done in a long time. Uh he was the first, I'm trying to find it here in Mandy Bell's article, he became the first player in MLB history to hit two homers of three runs or more in the ninth inning or later of the same game. Just the third player in Cleveland history to hit two homers, just any homers, in the ninth inning or later, joining Willie Kirkland and Earl Averill. Cleveland's first victory when trailing by at least six runs in the ninth inning or later since May 25th, 2009. So yeah, you got to go back to the 2000s before you find a comeback victory like this. So a lot of firsts, a lot of big moments, and Naylor and Naylor is—I mean—he's a humble guy. He immediately gives credit to Andres Jimenez for getting the rally started. Uh, they asked him about you know coming back from the rehab. What does this mean to you? And he just said, "I focused on my team. I focused on my teammates, and that's what got me through the rehab, and that's what got me back on the field." So. Uh, incredibly humble there for a guy that goes into the 
you know, into the dugout after those home runs, like the Tasmanian devil celebrating, slamming his helmet into the wall. I, it, I guess they were chirping pretty bad behind the uh, Guardians dugout. There's definitely a crew of White Sox fans there that were chirping pretty bad. I don't even want to know what they were saying. Like, I can't even imagine it's good. Why? Why go to a baseball game and that's your goal, to, like, say terrible, nasty things to the opposing team? I don't get it. I don't get it. Heckling was funny when, when I was, like, 16 years old and at the game. Now, why would you do that? Uh, but it definitely fired Naylor up. He had some words for the people sitting behind the Guardians dugout. Um, and uh, words that I'm not going to repeat here. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, yeah, Naylor, unbelievable. Just an unbelievable performance. So let's get into it. Let's get into the details of it. Uh, let's talk about how we did it, where the pitches were. Let's go through this, uh, through these innings here. Because this really starts, you know... Don't worry about the ninth inning. This actually starts in the eighth inning. And it starts with a Stephen Kwan single. Of course it does. It starts with Stephen Kwan getting on base in the eighth inning. Next two guys get out. It brings up Naylor with two outs. Remember, we're down 5-1 to one at this point. We hadn't scored a run since Sheets dropped that ball in the first inning. And we will jump all the way back and talk about the first inning at some point here. Uh, but we hadn't scored a run since Sheets dropped that ball in the first. And here comes Kwan. Uh, gets on base. Naylor is able to take an outside pitch. Foster actually throws him a ton of outside fastballs in this at-bat. He had fouled off two of these fastballs already. And uh, the sixth pitch of the at-bat, another outside fastball at the letters. All of them are at the letters. And he shoots this one out in the left field. Quan comes all the way around. I can't remember if he was moving on the pitch. He might have been. Comes all the way around and scores. Uh, and so, yeah, the Guardians finally show some signs of life. It's 5-2. to two. That's not an unreasonable uh, deficit. It's a safe situation, possibly going into the ninth inning. Well, then Anthony Ghost absolutely implodes in the eighth inning. Uh, and so does the Guardians' defense. Walks Luis Robert, uh, strikes out Grandal, but then Adam Engel comes up and hits a fly ball, just a nice, lazy, perfect fly ball. Right to Ahmed Rosario, who's getting the start out in left field. Francona said when he sent when they sent Palacios down, part of that reason is right, they have to mix in guys. They gotta get Ahmed Rosario back out into the outfield so that Andres Jimenez could play shortstop. And it's a good thing too, because Andres Jimenez would make some critical plays at shortstop, but it means Ahmed Rosario's out there in left field, and this ball just just drops it. Just hits him. It comes down right on him. He barely has to move. It hits the glove and just falls to the ground. And it's it's rough for Ahmed Rosario. He's still got a lot of work to do out there if he ever wants to be somewhat credible in left field. So he drops this one, and then a wild pitch moves the runners up, and it sets up AJ Pollock, who takes a fly ball to left center field. Luis three run home run uh, puts the White Sox up. Eight to two. That's what my buddy was talking about. The six-run deficit. I think that was the moment he gave up. He gets out of the inning. He gets uh, lineouts to center field from the next two hitters to get out of the inning. But the damage is done. Eight to two. It's pretty demoralizing at this point. So it's no longer a safe situation. So Tanner Banks comes in for Matt Foster. Well, he immediately has to face Andres Jimenez, who we talked about this a few days ago, right? When the Toronto Blue Jays were shifting really hard, like Jimenez was a pull hitter. What does he do in this one? Opposite field home run, left center field. He would have an opposite field hit later in this game, too. 
Uh, so, yeah, I, again, we talked about it. We looked at his spray chart. He doesn't necessarily pull the ball as much as you think and uh, goes opposite field for a leadoff home run here. All right, 8-3. to three. The line is moving. We got something going here. Amin Rosario shoots a single through the left side and then goes all the way to third base because the White Sox can't stop throwing the ball around the infield. The White Sox made so many errors in this game. Four credited errors on the game, and I'm pretty sure there was another play that could have been Mon- another play by Moncada that should have been called an error. Uh, but they get a throwing error here. Um, Tim Anderson technically gets the error. They were trying to like throw back to fur or no, they were trying to. I don't know where they were trying to throw this ball, but they end up throwing it all the way to the camera bay and sticks in the corner there. Ahmed Rosario is fast as lightning and goes all the way to third base. Austin Hedges then reaches on the fielding error by Moncada. He chops a ball to Moncada at third, who charges in and just can't field it cleanly. So Ahmed Rosario comes in to score. Suddenly, it's an 8-4 to four game. Miles Straw would strike out swinging. Straw had himself a pretty rough game. He goes 0 for 6. Uh, does score a run, but he left six guys on base, uh, the most of any guardian on the day. So a pretty rough day for Miles Straw up at the plate. Quan would ground into a force out. They get Austin Hedges at second, but they can't get Quan at first. He keeps the inning alive. Um, that's huge right there. Uh, I mean, if that's a double play, the game's over, but he keeps the inning alive, and Jose Ramirez would walk behind him. They don't want anything to do with Jose Ramirez. Brings up Owen Miller, who shoots a line drive through the left field, but they still need a lot of runs to score, so they hold him at third. Bases are loaded for Josh Naylor and the Grand Slam. First pitch. By the way, Leon Hendricks had come into the game to face Owen Miller at this point um, and throws him a ton of fastballs, eventually throws him a fastball, middle of the plate, at the letters. That's the one that he shoots through to left field, 105.8 mile per hour exit velocity. So he absolutely smokes a fastball. Naylor comes up, and he throws him a fastball in the same spot, just left of center, at the letters, 110.1 miles per hour, 421 feet for a bases-clearing, game-tying, ninth-inning grand slam. Are you kidding me? Naylor said that he knows Hendricks throws hard stuff. No, I mean, the pitch was a 99-mile-per-hour four-seam fastball. He said he knows Hendricks brings the hard stuff, so he was just ready for it. Now, here's the thing about Naylor. I went back and looked at the illustrator for him. You have to go back to his rookie year of 2019 to find a home run hit in this location. Middle of the plate, up, middle, top of the zone. 2022, 2021, 2020, he does not have a single home run anywhere near this location. Only one home run above the belt, and that was a pitch that was in that he somehow turned on, got his hands through on off of Wade Davis. A pitch in off the plate, as a matter of fact. Everything else is below the belt for the last three years. You have to go back to 2019 when he hit a home run in this zone, a sinker off Jake Arrieta. Um, so, yeah, so you have to go way back. He just does not. The launch angle in this zone is not a home run. He doesn't hit many barrels in this zone. Most of his stuff is down and down and in. That's his sweet spot. Middle of the plate, middle down, and down and in. That is his nitro zone. And that would be what would happen later in the game. So this one from uh, Hendricks is really an outlier. He usually does not go up and get these pitches like this. But it's a huge, just a huge moment from Josh Naylor. I mean, this is what you 
I saw it in another article or someone said it in a post-game interview. This is what you do as a kid in the backyard. Bases loaded, ninth inning. I got to win the game or I got to tie the game up. Like These are the types of situations you think about as a kid. And Naylor delivers a grand slam. But then this game continues. Uh, Reyes also did not have a good game at the plate. He goes 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. He ends the inning with a ground out. Reyes looked like he was chasing again. It looked like he was chasing fastballs and then getting locked up uh, by uh, by sliders. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what Kopech did to him. What Kopech did to him in the first inning was really nasty. Um, so ninth inning, Sandlin comes in. It's now a tie game. Sandlin's got to hold things down in a tie game, and he does not make it easy on himself. He gets Tim Anderson to fly out. He then walks you on Moncada. Moncada, by the way, it's first game back after injury of the season. Jose Abreu would fly out to right to Stephen Kwan. And then here come the walks. Luis Robert walks. And it looked like he, man, uh, Sandlin just could not spot or could not get a call on this slider. Uh, to Luis Robert, um, he just kept missing with the slider away. Then that would bring up uh, Yasmani Grandal after that. And he would throw a ton of close pitches. In fact, his first pitch was a slider right at the knees that he just can't get the call on. He throws uh, throws another one up in a way that he can't get the call on. Uh, throws him a two-seam sinker inside that he can't get the call on. So he's dancing around the strike zone of Grandal. He just needed to throw strikes to the freaking guy. He needed to stop dancing and just attack the strike zone. He was trying to hit the black, and he just wasn't getting the calls. So now it loads the bases for Adam Engel. And I'm telling you, the defensive play of the day, maybe the defensive play of the season so far, Engel shoots one 106.8 miles per hour down the third baseline, and Jose Ramirez makes a diving stop to his right, comes up, spins, fires. Naylor at full extension is able to grab it, keep his foot on the base, takes the one-hop throw. Incredible play. Incredible defensive play from Jose Ramirez. It's something we don't talk about enough, but he is, remember, this is a former shortstop. This is a guy who's played everywhere on the infield. This guy's were played everywhere, almost everywhere on the diamond. And uh, he has a glove and an arm, and he showed it here. Um, diving to his side, you know, snagging that ball that would have been a game-winning hit down the line. I mean, the expected batting average on this is 450. So this would have been a game-winning hit down the line. And Jose Ramirez saves the game with this amazing defensive play. Then we kick things off in extra innings. We got the pinch runner. Uh, Ernie Clement at second base, and Andres Jimenez again goes opposite field, shoots one down the third base line himself in the left field, um, brings in Ernie Clement to score. Nine eight Guardians, you know the tenth inning rule with the runner starting on second base to make sure somebody scores to make sure the game end works here. Uh, he delivers it without any. There's no bunting. There's no moving the guy over. He just shoots a double down the left field line and brings in that run to score. Uh, but they couldn't bring him in, unfortunately, from second base. I mean, Anmar Rosario would line out. Uh, it would move him up to third. But Austin Hedges would pop out. I was kind of surprised they stuck with Hedges at this point. Um, I'm trying to think who might have been left on the bench to pinch hit at this point. But, you know, they go with Hedges in, in this situation. And, you know, it probably works out because Hedges does make some good stops behind the plate um, at the end of this game. But... I'm surprised they let Hedges hit in this situation. I, they clearly were leaving him in for his defense. Like if if it wasn't a if it was a situation where you really needed this hit here, 
Um, maybe we see a pinch hitter come in off the bench. And then Miles Straw, again, bad day at the play, grounds out to end the threat. So they do get a run. They do what they're supposed to do and get that run in. Um, that's right, Mercado was on the bench. Mercado and probably Luke Maley uh, were your two choices on the bench to pinch hit if you wanted to. Mercado does come in as a defensive replacement for Ahmed Rosario, and things get crazy for Emmanuel Classe in the 10th inning. It's a safe situation for him here. A.J. Pollock leads things off with a single to right field. It's a sharp hit ball. Mercado comes up with it quickly. They have to hold Angle at third base. That's okay because Reese McGuire would then chop one towards the first base. Classe jumps on it and decides he might have a play at home. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, you got to know, my, you know, something we learned as far back as Little League. If the ball's hit to you, you got to know where you're going with it. He had it in his mind that he was going to come home if the ball was hit to him. This was just hit to a place where he couldn't come home with it. Like, you have to go to first and get the out. Um, Larry Garcia would then sacrifice bunt. It would move A.J. Pollock up to third and Reese McGuire up to second. They intentionally walked Tim Anderson to load the bases. How many times have we seen this? Uh, cutting off the run at the plate. Once again, the Guardians survived this. And once again, it's hit to Andres Jimenez. This time, a chop to Andres Jimenez, a shortstop. He comes home, gets the force at home to Austin Hedges, who gets his foot out of the way uh, quickly of an A.J. Pollock slide. Uh, they can't turn a double play on it, but they do get the out at home. They keep the game alive. They keep it a tied game. And then Abreu would ground out sharply to Jimenez. So Jimenez makes two big defensive plays here. At shortstop, he's a premier defender at shortstop. And he makes two big plays here in the 10th. And then the 11th inning, we get back to the uh, Josh Naylor heroics here. This time, Quan would line out to start the uh, inning. Uh, they'd have to go to the bullpen because Ronaldo Lopez would have a leave with a back injury. They'd walk Jose Ramirez. Owen Miller would pop out. Infield fly rule. So we got runners on first and second. Two outs. And here comes Josh Naylor again. And what does he get? Let's go to this at bat. This time he has to work a little deeper into the count. Um, a little deeper. Two pitches into the count. He misses with a cutter up and then throws him a cutter at the thighs, down and in. In that nitro zone that we talked about, and he hits this thing 101.1 miles per hour, 388 to the seats in right center field for the three-run home run to complete the eight RBI set to give the Guardians the big 12-9 lean. And, I mean, just the celebration in the dugout. My God, this poor batting helmet. What did it do to deserve that? Um, I was joking on Twitter. He looks like the kind of guy that when he high-fives you, you, like, clutch your hand in pain. It's just such a hurricane, such energy coming into the dugout after that home run. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Fermil Reyes was glowing after the game, talking about Naylor, talking about how they were celebrating in the dugout. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable here. So, yeah, he gets one in his nitro zone here. And Naylor has just been hammering the ball, just hitting the ball so hard. It's great to see. And then uh, Trevor Steffen comes in and finishes things in the 11th inning. And it's, it's the Josh Naylor game. It's absolutely the Josh Naylor game. Absolutely incredible to see. Uh, there were plenty of other things that happened in this game. Um, the first inning was ridiculous with the, uh, the Guardians and the White Sox gifting each other runs. Uh, you know, they have a chance to get out of the first inning. And Sheets just drops a fly ball. He did have to kind of come in on it. He did take a step back. And have to come in on it. A shot by Owen Miller out there in the right field. This has an expecting batting average of 200. This thing should have been caught. 
and it kind of hits on the heel of Sheets' glove, and he just drops it. Um, so that allows Stephen Kwan to come in to score, who had walked and stole a base. So the Guardians get a run without a hit in that first inning. Uh, and then in the uh, bottom of the first, he hits Johan Moncada. Plesak was struggling with his fastball command. I, I, he, you know, Francona said he thought it was one of Plesak's better games. Plesak said that he has been working on things with his legs, working on his legs, his drive, his balance. Uh, a lot of pitching comes from the legs. You'd be surprised how much, you know, we were talking about Bieber's velocity the other day, and I kind of hypothesized, you know, are maybe the legs an issue? You know, not the arm. He said the arm feels great. So is it the legs? Is it the drive he's getting that the velocity's down? Well, for um, Plesak, it was about keeping the fastball down. He was getting underneath it, and it was riding up. And if you look at the illustrator in this game, his fastball rides up plenty. The slider was good. The changeup was aggressive. The curveball, he let a few go. Didn't use the curveball that much. But the fastball, he was able to get a few on the edges where he wanted them, but he let a lot ride up at the top of the zone. Let a lot of fastballs get away from him. So, yeah, so uh, he uh, hits Moncada. Uh, Bray would fly out. So two outs. This whole thing happens with two outs. Luis Robert would single. Yasmani Grandal, he would walk. Uh, that was a terrible at-bat, actually. If I go to the uh, matchup here, if I remember correctly, this is the one where his fastball was just getting away from him. Uh, Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, four pitches. Four pitches, all fastballs up out of the zone, uh, away, you know, to the arm side. This is what I'm talking about. When you're talking about can't get on top of a fastball, Look at the location of these. If you have a chance to get the baseball savant, look at the location of these. They are not even close to the plate. Um, and they're above the shoulders for the batter Grand Dahl. So he takes an easy walk. And that brings up Gavin Sheets. He gets him to swing through a changeup on the inside edge. Gets a fastball. Hits the location this time where he was trying to throw it. At the belt, right on the black on the outside edge to the lefty Sheets. Misses with a changeup in the dirt, down and in. Well, maybe not in the dirt, but down and in. Misses for a ball. And then tries throwing him a slider and puts it right down the middle of the plate. And Sheets turns on it 106.7 miles per hour. A guy who was not hitting very well going into this game. I mean, Sheets still has, even after this game, has only a 211 batting average. Um, it was not a good season so far for Sheets, but he gets one here. Is this his, Was this his first home run on the season? Uh, let's see here. His second home run on this season. So Sheets turns on one middle of the plate. Suddenly it's four to one, and it stays that way for a long time. I mean, we don't score again until the seventh inning. So it's not a great box score from Plesak. He goes six and a third, five hits, five runs, only four earned, two walks, four strikeouts, and the home run allowed on 99 pitches. He's hard hit six times. It's not a glowing box score, but he did say in the post game he was like, my goal was just to keep going in this game, to keep going, to go as deep as I could in this game and give my guys a chance to come back and get back into it. Well, that's exactly what happens. Uh, he did that. I, I give him credit there. He battled. The fastball was not very good. If we go to the player breakdown, and CSW on the fastball was only at 20%. He was able to get seven called strikes finally on it, but he missed a lot. He threw it 40 times. Only one whiff on uh, 14 swings on that fastball. The slider was working. 39% CSW on the slider. 22 swings, nine whiffs on that slider. 
So the slider was working for him. Nothing else was really working on the day for him. Um, they did put 10 of those sliders in play, though. So, uh, you know, he was being aggressive with it. But the average exit velocity was only 85.9. So there you go. Uh, that's what was going on with Plesek. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, I mean, Kopech, my God, was he good. If uh, if uh, Sheets doesn't drop that ball, he doesn't give up a run. He goes six innings, only gives up two hits, one run, no earned, two walks, and seven strikeouts on 91 pitches. He's only hard hit four times. So he really, really does a good job starting this game. I mean, you can see Kopech is kind of ridiculous here. The guy's got a 0.93 ERA now in six starts and still doesn't have a decision. He's 0-0 for his win-loss record with a 0.93 ERA in six starts. That's just bizarre. Now, some of these games, they were limiting his pitch count, right? Some of these games, if you go to his game log, he, uh, he doesn't go very deep into some of these games. He only lasts four innings in his first start of the season. Uh, I wish they had the number of pitches in here. For some reason, that's blank. Five innings, five innings, five innings, four innings on May 3rd, and then go six innings yesterday against the Guardians. So uh, he doesn't go very deep into games, and that's part of the reason why he's got an 0-0 record. But still, with a 0.93 ERA, you think he would have a win in there somewhere. And then it's the bullpen once again. We've talked about it in the Blue Jays series. The Guardians' bullpen being better than the opposing team's bullpen is the difference in the game. And the Guardians' bullpen, believe me, did not make it easy on themselves. Ghost giving up the three-run home run. Sandlin with the three walks. Classe with the walks and the, you know, not knowing where to go with the ball. Uh, Trevor Steffen and uh, and Eniel De Los Santos have the best days out of the bullpen for the Guardians. But yeah, uh, Matt Foster, Tanner Banks, Liam Hendricks, one of the best closers in the game. Ronaldo Lopez and Ryan Bird, they all give up runs. They all give up runs. So the Guardians bullpen holds out over the White Sox bullpen. And uh, Josh Naylor, I can't say that's the difference. Normally I would say that's the difference, but Josh Naylor was the difference. MVP on the day obviously goes to Naylor. Three for five on the day. Two runs scored, a double, two home runs, eight RBIs, and a walk to you know get that on-base percentage up. 338 on the season with a 944 OPS. Unbelievable. I got to think at some point... Uh, Josh Naylor is probably going to find himself in the four hole. Vermeil Reyes will probably move up to five, and Owen Miller might drop down to six. I, I wonder if that's coming. I wonder if that's the reward for what Naylor just did, maybe, that that shift finally comes. Uh, Owen Miller has cooled off a little bit since getting up to that four hole. So, huge, huge day offensively. Andres Jimenez also comes on late with those two big extra base hits. I'm in Rosario, despite the left field defense, did go three for five on the day. So he is starting to get that batting average up. Austin Hedges in the nine hole, even though I kind of wish they would have pinched hit for him in that situation, did go two for five on the day with an RBI. So give credit where credit is due. Uh, the middle and the bottom of the order definitely, definitely got the job done. Um, so yeah, Quan scores three runs on the day. Uh, with a hit and a walk, I'm guessing he was on base for he was on base with a fielder's choice. That's his other third way on base, and he scores all three times. So big stuff from Stephen Kwan there. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. It will forever be remembered as the Josh Naylor game. Absolutely incredible from the Wild Man, and uh, man, baseball is fun. Baseball is I could be so all right. Baseball could be so boring and then so fun. I mean, I was snoozing in the middle of the game. 
I had the game on my phone. We were trying to watch a movie. I had my eyes were rolled back. I was snoozing through the middle of this game. But man, I was ready for that end. I was watching this thing in bed, trying to shield the phone not to keep my wife up. Uh, but I had to see the end. I had to see the end. So uh, yeah, absolutely fun stuff. Never give up on baseball. Don't just never give up on baseball. My dad had a rule when we were kids. We never left a game early. We could be down 12 to 1 and we would not leave that game early as kids. And uh, it's something I'm going to have a real struggle passing that on, right? You know, people today do not have the same patience. Uh, I remember my wife in a tied game one time was like, it's the ninth inning. Like, we're not done. I'm like, no, they play extra. Come on, there's extra innings. Like, we got to stay. Luckily, we won it in the 10th inning, or I don't know if I would have been able to stick around for that game. Uh, But yeah, never give up on baseball, because magic, absolute magic can happen. And when he hit that grand slam, that was magic. I'm pretty sure I was in the middle of changing a diaper when he hit that grand slam, and I threw my arms up in celebration. If anyone knows changing a baby boy's diaper, that's a risky proposition, throwing your hands up in celebration. you got to be ready for anything when you're changing a diaper, so... (laughs) That's a little bit about my night, what went on in my household uh, last night, enjoying this win. All right, again, the final from Chicago. It's the Cleveland Guardians 12, the Chicago White Sox 9. What is the pitching matchup tomorrow? It's going to be Quantrill against Giolito. Oh, boy, Giolito, get ready for some... Might be a tough day for Guardians hitters. They're going to have to bring it against Giolito. He usually does pretty well against us. Uh, and so Quantrill will be going against them. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Come on now. Let me know your thoughts on everything that's been going on as the Guardians move up into second place as they go above 500. Where you at, morning people? Hit me up at the email address, Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know how you're feeling about this season, about this team. We'll discuss it on the show. If you want to make it like an old school radio show, you can leave a voicemail, anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings. We'll play it back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.